Hymns Cast will begin right after this message from our sponsor, Roche. As one of the world's largest biotech and diagnostic companies, Roche has developed innovations that have benefited patients all around the world. Navify digital solutions from Roche securely integrate data across care settings, deliver operational and medical insights, and accelerate access to innovation. Visit Navify.com to learn more. Everyone is 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 really stretched, and uh, you know what we don't want is to introduce a whole other variable and say, "Here, go use it, go figure it out." Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hemscast. My name is Mike Milliard. I'm executive editor of Healthcare IT News, a Hems publication. Here today to talk about the ethics and the promise and opportunities of artificial intelligence in healthcare. Our guest is Dr. Sonia Mockney. Medical Director of Mayo Clinic Platform Solutions. Welcome, Sonia. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Nice to meet you, Mike. Nice to meet you, too. So, you know, I first approached you because you're uh, giving a keynote at HIMSS 23 at the AI and Machine Learning Forum titled uh, Challenges, Opportunities, and Promise of AI in Healthcare. And uh, there's been obviously a lot of talk about all three uh, recently. There's been a whole lot of... uh, (laughs) You've been reading the news. There's a whole lot of uh, stuff going on with AI uh, in healthcare and beyond. So I want to talk today with you about some broader themes and trends around artificial intelligence and machine learning and where you see it going. Um, So first up, let's talk about promise versus reality with AI in healthcare. You know, what are some of the challenges as you see them with adoption and effective deployment? Sure. You know, it's no surprise that with all the advancements that we see in AI and other industries that you know, we're not really seeing that match up in, in healthcare as much. There's definitely been a lot of progress, but we still have some um, real challenges that we need to figure out. And while there are many, I like to think of them in, in four broad categories. There's a data problem. Uh, you know, data tends to, in healthcare, tends to be very fragmented uh, and very siloed. Uh, it's difficult for uh, people and innovators to access different different data from different contexts um, with good reason. You know, there's a lot of security issues. There's healthcare data is incredibly sensitive. And the last thing we want is anything happening to that data that can harm patients or that can be weaponized against them. Uh, In addition to the fragmentation and security issues, uh, there's a real data quality problem. You know, it's very well accepted that healthcare data has lots of quality issues. Uh, what's difficult to do is to figure out what to do with that. Um, there's not a lot of really great solutions out there, and and it's not even really transparent as to what these qualitations are. And as you know, garbage in, garbage out. So if we are training algorithms on uh, suboptimal data, we won't be able to get the best results out of our algorithms as we might if, if the data would be, you know, somehow improved. The next bucket I like to think about is sort of the innovation and solution discovery category. So there are a lot of barriers to innovation. Uh, As I mentioned, when healthcare data is siloed, it sort of boxes out a lot of innovators. Uh, You have to go through a lot of effort, understandably so, to try to get access to data. And that's not really always easy for uh, people that sit outside of our healthcare uh, sphere, outside of the clinical sphere. And additionally, you know, when we're developing algorithms, these are usually point solutions. They're not necessarily solving a big problem that 
we need to face. So, you know, uh, a, a large problem such as reducing diabetes in a population, you know, there's different algorithms that can be developed that take away the problem, but it's not always easy to tackle such big problems at, at, at a large scale. And there's also issues with, you know, just by the nature of algorithms, there are more associations, not always causation. And I think that's just inherently a challenge. Uh, the next area I think of is the, the problem of validation. Um, algorithms that are developed in these silos uh, tend to not always be generalizable to other populations or even populations outside of that context. So how do we figure out uh, what are the sort of the mathematical, uh, how to mathematically validate some of these algorithms and then uh, tune those to be generalizable to the outside population? Uh, that's something that, you know, we still need to figure out at a large scale. Um, in addition, it's it's about understanding the transparency and the explainability about algorithms. Those are not easy to achieve. And uh, transparency is needed at all aspects, just from, from the data side to the model side. Um, there's a lot to it that are difficult. It's difficult to, to solve. And truly understanding how these algorithms function in clinical context is also difficult. You know, there's not a lot of uh, trials. There's a lot of algorithms that are developed, but not all of them are tested in clinical context. And, you know, finally, and, and definitely uh, still very critical is the deployment problem. And just because you have an algorithm doesn't mean that you now have a working solution that clinicians can use in real life. These need to be integrated into workflows in ways that are not intrusive to uh, daily practice, that don't increase the work of clinicians and are also um, easy to understand. Uh, we need to track these algorithms and see how they're performing in the real world. And we need to be able to do ongoing ethical assessments to make sure that we are not perpetuating any inequities or bias towards a sort of subgroup of populations. Absolutely. I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, despite all the hype, there is no shortage of challenges out there. So how is Mayo Clinic, you know, obviously you guys are a world-class leader and have been a pioneer in this space for, for years and years, um, beginning to address some of these AI challenges? Yeah, it's a lot to address. And so we're trying to chip away at this and we're looking at it kind of from these four buckets. On the data side, we are establishing a distributed data network. Uh, so we're trying to connect different institutions and have these data elements be available um, so that we can see how different populations might respond differently to different algorithms, for example. Um, and we are well underway on that. Um, in terms of solution discovery, so we have de-identified a huge corpus of data, and we're working to do that, of course, in our, our data network uh, nodes as well. And the hope is that we are making those data sets more accessible to innovators outside of our direct clinical context so that they can actually experiment with and find solutions and we can kind of open that up to other innovators. Very important to us is the validation piece. Uh, we are uh, we have a, a, a process called Validate that we try to use to estimate the mathematical biases and the mathematical performance of different algorithms on um, different populations. So if an algorithm is developed in another location, we can test that algorithm on our de-identified corpus and uh, assess how that model performs in, in a different context. 
And, you know, there are next subsequent steps to that, right? And sort of translating that clinically. And then, of course, is the deployment aspect. Uh, we are uh, we working with partners to actually deliver those algorithms into actual workflows and which would enable us to to track and monitor and make sure that these algorithms are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And uh, when they require tuning and refinement, we will hopefully know about it. And and the aim is to, like I said earlier, it's to not increase the workload of physicians or people in the, you know, in the healthcare world using these algorithms. It's to make things easier and make things more equitable. And so that's that's our approach. Uh, that's our approach going forward and and more to come, of course. You know, there's a lot of different kinds of AI out there. Uh, I recall a few years ago hearing your CIO, Chris Ross, talking about kind of big AI versus small AI. You know, you could talk about automating back office functions or you could talk about real kind of mission critical, you know, um, clinical decision supports. Um, when you look at the use cases as they are today, which are the ones that are most promising in the near term to you? Are they clinical or are they operational or is it a little bit of both? Honestly, both are very important and uh, both actually have... Uh, similar concerns and just to different degrees. So, you know, operational challenges and administrative challenges are very real and they are placing real demands on our workforce. And so uh, even a small solution that can address some of these pain points might have real value for the individual clinician and the individual nurse or, you know, the hospital administrator. So I wouldn't say they're any less valuable. Um, what they they might be a better opportunity in terms of uh, deploying algorithms and making sure that we are not causing unintentional harm. I think when you're dealing with a clinical solution, a clinical algorithm, there are so, there's sometimes more at stake. Not saying that there isn't anything at stake in operational algorithms, but it's a spectrum, of course. And so, you know, while we're uh, honing our abilities to sort of uh, validate and and qualify these solutions, um, operational algorithms give us a good opportunity to actually try these out and make sure that we're employing the right safeguard. Um, clinical solutions are, obviously, they would be fantastic, but we also have to remember that a lot of these solutions, like I said, are point solutions. In real life, as a clinician, I usually go through a process of decision-making to get to my end results or to my end diagnosis or treatment uh, path. And a lot of just what's inherent in AI today is that there is a discrete question and it might try to skip a few steps. It might not, but there is uh, limitations to what that kind of in entails. And so there's a lot to figure out, but it does not mean that we can't get there and we are getting there where there's many solutions that we're actually seeing great value from, but not, not enough. They need to be deployed and they need to be evaluated and assessed in a lot of the ways that I've already mentioned. So you use the term solution, which I have to confess as a journalist is a term I'm, I'm skeptical of sometimes because I've seen it in probably a, a close to a million press releases over the years of, you know, a lot of big promises for what certain technologies can do for certain challenges. But when you use the word solution, what do you mean by that? That's a great question. I think, you know, there's different ways to look at this. The way we use that term at Mayo Clinic Platform is we think of the algorithm as a piece to the puzzle. Like I said, there needs to be a whole subset of other processes and other uh, checkpoints going on that actually make that algorithm uh, solve that problem. So when I say solution, I'm including, you know, what's the deployment like? How is 
uh, what's the validation uh, plan or, you know, what's the validation, what are the metrics? Um, we need to look at these as not just algorithm, but we need to actually solve a problem. So to solve a problem from end to end, there needs to be a, a, a workflow, a process. There needs to be sort of answers to all of those questions that we have that are outstanding. And the algorithm is a central piece to that, but that's not everything. What are some missing links or, or trends that, uh, you know, health systems should be aware of either in the near term or as they look a bit further into the future? Yeah, also great question. You know, I think one of the really uh, pressing pieces that we need to learn how to uh, sort of address is closing a loop on how algorithms perform. Uh, it's not enough to just deploy them somewhere. We need to be able to, like I said, assess them for bias. We need to be able to assess them mathematically for drift. We need to be able to understand how they're functioning in clinical workflows and operational workflows. Uh, we need to have that feedback. So like I mentioned earlier, that's all part of the solution in my eyes and the, the solution you know, term. And so what we want to do as not just Mayo Clinic platform, but as sort of a healthcare space, is understand how these actually function and how to close the loop. Um, another problem I think I mentioned earlier is, is the data quality issue. I think there's a lot that needs to be done on that side and um, not a lot of attention being given to it because it's a tough, it's a tough nut to crack. It is indeed. And as we've seen in the mainstream media recently, and I'm sure you've seen up close, uh, this stuff is moving at kind of lightning speed. Is AI evolving faster than you thought it would? I wouldn't say it's evolving faster than I thought it would. It's evolving as fast as I think one would think um, any technology would be evolving. Uh, our adoption in healthcare might be slower, and our ability to sort of understand the implications of some of these advancements uh, might uh, still be in process. But I think it's less about the technology evolving too fast and more about what might be trailing behind. And what I mean by that are, you know, the guardrails, the, the governance structures. And we've taken some really great steps forward. So uh, the Coalition for Health AI, Health AI or CHAI is um, one example of something very positive that's that's in the works, which is a, it's a community of health systems, organizations, experts in, you know, AI and data science. And the mission is to identify priority areas where standards and, and best practices and norms need to be developed and implemented. And the mission is to advance AI for healthcare while safeguarding against problems of algorithmic bias and healthcare inequity. So I think more seeing more of these kinds of things develop in tandem in addition to tools that can actually combat some of the risks of harm in AI are, are you know, what we need to see um, just as much as the advancements themselves. You know, we talked about some of the challenges today when it comes to deploying uh, AI and, and, and doing it effectively and, and ethically. And, and um, but what about when we look at the horizon? What are some challenges that you know folks in the healthcare space may not yet be prepared for when it comes to, to AI deployments? I think we need, in general, uh, a deeper understanding of the data we're using. I think we need to understand how bias is at play at every step of the AI development life cycle. You know, everything from forming the problem to um, developing your data cohort and 
processing that data to actually implementing it and even testing it. I think there's a lot of uh, opportunities for inequities. And I think it's really important that we all take a, a an approach that's very systematic to try to understand what our blind spots are. And there's definitely a lot of really great minds working on this. So it's it's reassuring to know that people are recognizing these challenges and trying to address them. And I think there's just more work to be done. Just the other day, I went to chat GPT and just to, for a bit of fun, I, I typed in the question, you know, how could artificial intelligence enhance clinical decision support in healthcare and what are some risks it could pose to patient safety? And within about three seconds, it uh, gave me back uh, pros and cons, about 300 words with four bullet points for each and, uh, you know, pretty well considered and not unlike an article that I would have written myself. I had, I'm a bit frightened to say perhaps, but, you know, the reason I ask whether it's evolving too fast is because, you know, the, a lot of folks are beginning to get a little bit spooked out about some of this stuff. What do you think about ChatGPT and other technologies like it and, and what do they mean for healthcare as, as we look ahead? You know, I think I think it's important to remember that technologies advance. Um, that advancement might seem fast, but it's normal and it's not the first time or the last time we might see something that will create alarm and real reasons for concern. I think it's also important to not really dive in without being prepared. So there's a healthy middle approach where uh we need to recognize the value of technologies like ChatGPT and LLMs, large language models in general, um, but also really, like I said, understand the blind spots. So I don't think healthcare will be transformed overnight and all the problems will be solved by something like ChatGPT, but I also don't think it will uh, hopefully be destroyed overnight either. Uh, there are there are frameworks to think about something like chat GPT, you know, we need to first understand what it isn't designed to do and what that that's a lot of uh, there's a lot of issues in AI that just need to be uh, better understood by the people that are using them. Um, and from there, we can come up with useful use cases that we can start. So, you know, helping augment uh, a position and offload their administrative means is different from then, you know, using chat GPT to uh, create a, a clinical recommendation that will be followed blindly. Right. And so, you know, we need to understand what maybe we are ready for in the short term and what we need work work to do, you know, for. And then, again, it goes back to the guardrails and it goes back to the tools that we can develop in tandem to help solve some of these problems of, of bias and trust and transparency and explainability. And the governance structure, so the chives and the other entities that can help guide us and keep us focused and also just not going off track. What are some challenges or, or changes that need to be made potentially with regard to the workforce as you look, look ahead? You know, a lot of, you know, folks have, have raised the question, you know, could clinicians, could radiologists, could, you know, this or that be, be replaced or, or, you know, edged out by, by AI. Uh, what do you see when you look to the future? So it's first important to remember that we're at a really challenging time. Everyone is, is, is really stretched. And, uh, you know, what we don't want is to introduce a whole nother variable and say, here, go use it, go figure it out. It, it's not fair to ask that of our workforce. Um, 
I think there's a lot of, uh, it's also not fair to have people have to learn something new on their own time with their own resources. So when we think about how AI solutions can be integrated into the daily practice of clinicians everywhere, not just people who have studied AI and feel like they understand it and are comfortable with it, I think we need to be really uh, careful to not add too much on the burdens for our, our workforce, but also simultaneously build trust. And that will create adoption. Uh, you know, as we're developing these AI solutions, we should model our approach after how clinicians learn medicine. You know, I've had years to understand and learn about like a drug a drug class, for example. I have been taught and have that experience in understanding when to use and not to use a specific drug. What are the side effects? What are the pros and cons? There is an intuition base there. So when we deliver these solutions, we need to provide in a concise way the most important information about what a model can do, what it should do, but what it can't do, and what we don't know, uh, you know, a model can or cannot do. We should be really transparent about that. And that goes back to the, con- the, the, the concepts of transparency and explainability, but we need to do so efficiently. So we need to upskill our workforce, but we also need to be careful of the demands on their time because day to day, the job, the most important job is to take care of the patient. And so how do we do both without compromising patient care? Well put. Uh, so obviously, this is a huge transformative technology. Things are moving really fast. Mayo Clinic is right at the forefront of it all. You know, from your perch, you know, what do you see when you look towards the future? Are you, what are your biggest concerns? What are your hopes and aspirations uh, for what it can do for healthcare? What it can unlock? You know, I would love a day where I get to see a patient and spend my time on the patient. I would love a day where the administrative burdens are are cut to a minimum. And I would love tools that can help me write efficient notes, get the relevant information in front of me at the right time, um, alert me of new developments that I might not have read about in the latest, you know, JAMA article. Um, I would love to have that information up front so that I can think about ways to to care for the patient. I can connect with the patient. And at the same time, when I'm trying to say, you know, if I have a patient with diabetes and I'm trying to help them, I would love to have those solutions be presented to me in such a way that's digestible. And it's not me searching through, uh, you know, a, a chart to find specific results. And it's presented in a way that works with my workflow and is presented at the right time, at the right place and for the right patient and not just as a series of random alerts, for example. Um, and I think that day is, I think that day can come. I, I don't think that's completely science fiction. I think there's a lot of really exciting advances going on that are pushing us toward this uh, ideal picture. But, you know, like I, like I said, my, I, I, I want this to be safe and equitable to all patients. I want to know when a certain subgroup might not be benefiting from these advancements. And I think having that top of mind and having that visible to the clinicians who are delivering care, to the nurses who are taking care of patients, to anybody is of paramount importance. And all of this, you know, should promote equity. It shouldn't, we shouldn't be, you know, compromising it. And I think, I think there's a real path forward. We just have to be careful and prescriptive 
and responsible. Good advice, for sure. Uh, this is a very fascinating area. There's a lot going on. Uh, you've done a really terrific job of explaining some of the nuances here. So I really appreciate it. This has been a great conversation. Thanks, Sonia. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thanks to everyone in the audience for listening to this episode of HIMSCast. We encourage you to rate and review us. And if you like what you hear, please do subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Thanks again, Sonia. It was great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Roche. As one of the world's largest biotech and diagnostic companies, Roche has developed innovations that have benefited patients all around the world. Navify digital solutions from Roche securely integrate data across care settings, deliver operational and medical insights, and accelerate access to innovation. Visit navify.com to learn more.